Uh, open your Bibles this morning, John chapter 15, and we're going to pick up where we left off in our series on John, uh, in the series Abide. But as you make your way there, again, a couple great invite opportunities that you have in the days ahead uh, are the Fall Festival tonight, and then again, Friend Day, November 7th. God still uses the invite, church family. So be looking, be praying, uh, be loving and ministering to people around you, and invite them to come and be a part. And also, we're doing as a church family, we want to be a people who serve and bless our community well, if you didn't uh, get to make it this past uh, Wednesday night to our vision night, that's online and you can hear some of those things. But I do want to give you a heads up, a cool opportunity that we're going to get to have because of your faithfulness to give. We'll be able to do more of these things in the days ahead. But this coming uh, Thursday night, we have the football game at Mortimer Jordan. It's their senior night and we wanted to find a way to bless the community. And so this coming Thursday night, the concession stand will be completely covered by Indian Baptist Church. So every time somebody comes to get them a Coke or a hot dog, they're going to get an in from Eden Baptist Church to one of our services on the other side of the card. It's going to say, just to say we love you. And then underneath it in real small letters, don't worry, we've already said the blessing. So, uh... But uh, hey, can we just celebrate the opportunity to, to, uh, to bless people like that? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Think about this. If, if we get an opportunity to do that this Thursday night... And then next week, you get to invite somebody to church. How great those two things coincide with one another. Loving people well, serving people, and then inviting and praying for them how God is going to use that. So we're going to get to do more opportunities like that in the days ahead. But uh, from our song this morning, today we're going to talk about prayer is going to be the focus of our message today. Look with me in John chapter 15, verse 7, and we're going to focus on this one verse today that says in verse 7... If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, there's a couple of major things that you need to notice here in this passage out of the gate. First, we see the clear call again, yet again, to abide in Jesus. If you abide in me. Again, our whole point of this series is just walking closer with Jesus. Secondly, you can see that one of the results of abiding in Jesus is the words of Christ will dwell in you. So what is that? Let me say to you here today, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. When I'm abiding in Jesus, then God is going to be speaking and working in me. And then finally, notice that the natural result, if I'm abiding in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is at work within me, what does it move us to? It moves us to prayer. And not just any type of prayer, but extraordinary, powerful prayer. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, it shouldn't surprise us here today that in a section of Scripture that essentially maps out what it looks like to walk with Jesus, that it points us to one of the most foundational disciplines of the Christian life, and that is prayer. So the title of our message today is Abiding in Prayer. Charles Spurgeon, speaking of the foundational place of prayer in the Christian life, said this, Prayer is not a hard requirement. It is the natural duty of a creature to its creator. It is the simplest homage that humans can pay. Think about that. Our prayer life is the simplest homage that we can pray to the God who created us is to recognize Him, to converse with Him, to commune with Him. Now, a lot of times we struggle in prayer in doing that because we're so busy. Our life gets so busy, we get chaotic. But Martin Luther, the great reformer in whom we'll celebrate next Sunday on uh, October 31st. Somebody said that's Halloween. We refer to that as Reformation Sunday. Uh, October 31st is the Sunday that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the, wall, to the church wall there in Germany that started the Reformation movement that we all benefit from here today. This is what he said. He was a man of deep prayer. He said, I have so much to do. 
that I must spend the first three hours in prayer in order to accomplish it. Think about that. You ever been so busy that you knew you were so busy that you had to go spend three hours in prayer to be able to get done what you needed to get done? Martin Luther understood that, and God used him in a mighty way. Now, I believe that for the majority of us here today, we would all say that prayer is an essential part of our walks with God. 63% of uh, Christians were asked in Pew Research said that it is part of their Christian identity is prayer. However, I would say to us here today is that we all still have more we can grow in prayer. There's further that we can go in our relationship with God in prayer. A passage that always reminds me of that is Paul's letter to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, where he calls the church to be a church that, listen, says, pray without ceasing. I read that and I immediately recognize, hey, it doesn't matter how good I'm doing in my prayer life, there's more that I can do. But I'm also, also, I am consistently reminded that I can go further and deeper in my relationship with God in prayer when I am around those who have cultivated a deep walk with God in prayer. Bill Eliff, who was the founding pastor of the Summit Church in Central Arkansas, where we moved from in Arkansas, he's a man of deep prayers, written several books on it. And I remember one of the first times that I heard Bill pray, as it came to a moment, he said, let us pray. And then he paused for what seemed like an eternity, and it was only just a few moments. And then I opened my eyes and I could see him with his eyes faced towards heaven and tears just strolling down his face. And he said these two words. He said, oh, Father. Oh, Father. And you immediately in that moment, you knew that Bill knew who he was talking to. You knew that Bill had cultivated a deep walk with prayer. And in that moment, I said, I want to pray like Bill. So today, as we look at this passage of Scripture, I want to give us a few truths that can help us to be a people who are abiding in prayer no matter where you are in your walk with God. If you've been walking with God for decades or you've been walking with God just for a few days, our our, our desire today is that all of us will be encouraged to pray, but then also informed in how to pray. So if you're keeping notes here today, our first step to abiding in prayer is this. The first step to abiding in prayer is to abide in prayer. Jesus. Now we've talked a lot about how abiding in Jesus in this series, but it's consistently something that we need to be reminded of. And we see it yet again here in verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me, before he goes into speaking about prayer. Jesus understood the foundational connection of prayer and the presence of God. Abiding in Jesus is the foundation of sincere and an intimate prayer life. We will not linger long in prayer with a Jesus that we don't know and that we don't love. You will not linger long in prayer with a Jesus that you don't know and a Jesus that you don't love. Now church, I will say to us here today, prayer will always be a discipline in some aspect because we live in a fallen world that constantly brings distractions. And there's nothing the enemy would want to do more than to stop the church from doing its most powerful function and that is to pray. So don't be discouraged when you go through moments of distraction, I, I, I have that all the time. I'm, I, I have to get up early in the morning before everybody else and have TVs and everything turned off because I'm very easily distracted. It's hard for me if a kid walks by or if my wife goes by, I'll stop praying. I'll say, man, I got a beautiful wife. You know, and i oh my gosh, I got to pray. You know, boy, she's good looking. And you know, I'll, I'll have those moments. But here's the deal. It's okay to have moments of distraction as long as we persevere through them to go meet with our father. Prayer should not be an obligation, but it should be an opportunity. We should hear the Spirit of God call us to come meet with Him like the voice of a father who's calling for his children to come and invite them to come and play with Him. 
So I want to give you two ways to cultivate greater intimacy with Jesus that will lead us to greater moments in prayer. So two foundational ways. First, to abide in Jesus, you have to make a plan to meet with him. Here's a quote that works well for all of your relationships in life and especially your walk with God. Intimacy is intentional. It's rarely accidental. Intimacy is intentional. It's rarely accidental. You find this out when you start raising children, when the busyness of life and things happen, even with your, in your marriage, in your relationship with your spouse, or your relationship with friends. You have to make time to make time. You have to make time to meet and be with one another. And the same is true in our relationship with God. My effort in abiding with Jesus will always impact my communing with Jesus. You hear that? My effort will always impact my communion. If abiding in Jesus means anything today, it means pursuing a loving, intimate relationship with Jesus that naturally leads us to prayer. Rarely do people stumble upon a great moment with God. It happens at times, but those are rare. But the usual means by which we meet with God is through our intentional effort in pursuing Him. Simply put, if I'm not pursuing them, then I can't expect to be meeting with Him. Matthew chapter 7, verse 8, Jesus says, To those who ask, they receive. To those who seek, they find. To those who knock, it will be opened. You see that our effort precedes the movement of God. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. The Bible makes it clear over and over again that the more that I seek God, the more that I will find God. So one of the easiest ways to be intentional about seeking God is to have a set place and time to meet with God. To have a good plan is you've got to have a good place and time to meet with God. Jesus spoke clearly about the importance of having a place to meet with God as he was teaching on prayer. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter six verse 6, Jesus said, When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See here, Jesus is instructing us to have a space in our lives that is holy ground. A place to go and meet with God. And he gives us two things. It's got to be a necessity there. It's got to be a private place and it needs to be a quiet place if at all possible. Go into your inner room, the private place, and, or the quiet, quietest, where it's going to be the most quiet, and close the door. This is your place to go meet with God. Now, this could very well mean today that if you're wanting to go and meet with God regularly, that God may be calling some of you to go home and create a prayer room in your home. It could be a closet. It could be an extra bedroom that you no longer use. How encouraging would it be today? Would it be for us today if we were to leave this room today and we all went and found a place to go meet with God? Now, for me personally, it's early in the morning and it's my chair in ottoman. We have a chair in ottoman uh, that is stained up and it honestly probably needs to make its way to the dump here at some point. But if I ever found my wife trying to load that up, we would probably have a few words. And the reason why is because that place is holy ground for me. It's a place where I go and meet with God regularly. And when I pray and meet with God, then I push the ottoman away. I kneel down on the ottoman and this is my place to go meet with God. So you're going to need to have a place that can look different for all of us. Now, for some of you here today, if you have small children, that may be difficult for you. Amen? Anybody? Let me say to you here today, God sees you right where you are. And if you're willing to do your best... To set aside a place to pray and meet with God, I believe that God will meet with you there. 
Susanna Wesley, the mother of Charles and Jonathan Wesley, the founders of the original Bible-believing, soul-winning Methodist church, the story goes that Susanna was often left at home alone to raise her ten children. Her husband was a failed minister who would often be gone for years and would spend much time in a debtor's prison. And obviously this created a hectic home life for Susanna to try to raise these children. But it was said that she was a woman of deep prayer. And when she needed to meet with God with all these children running around, she would sit in a chair in the middle of the room. She would take her apron and she would place her apron over her head. And when she would put her apron over her head, all the children would be quiet because they knew she was meeting with God. And to disturb mama when she was meeting with God meant the fire of God was going to come down. But when I think about this precious mama who fought to have a place with Jesus and the fact that God met her there and you can only imagine the prayers she prayed for her children and the great movement of God that happened through two of her sons, you can only imagine that God met with her in those moments. So you got to have a place to meet with God. Secondly, the Bible gives us clear direction on how important it is to set aside a time to meet with God in prayer. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, speaking of Jesus, it says that in the the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went away to a secluded place and was praying there. All over Scripture, we see that people meeting with God early in the morning before it's still dark. Now, some of you this morning, you are early birds. You wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning, the birds are chirping and all is well. Some of you this morning that are not early birds, you say there's only one 5 o'clock in the morning. There's only one 5 o'clock in the day. You didn't know that there was another one. Can I say something to you here this morning? There is something consistent throughout the scriptures. That if you want to make time to meet with God, the morning time consistently is one of the best times to do that. I know people who do it in the evenings and it works for them, but the majority of people meet with God early in the morning. We see it even in Daniel. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 that once... The law had been written that was ultimately would have costed Daniel his life if God had not intervened in the lion's den. That he was not supposed to pray to any God other than the God of the king. That The Bible says that he went up to his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day praying and giving thanks before his God. Listen to this. As he had been doing previously. There's a couple things that you need to notice here that these notice in this passage. First is that those in whom God used mightily were people of prayer. And those people of prayer had set times and places to meet with God. If you're a young person here this morning and you've got a great fire and a passion in your heart for your life to be used for the glory of God, for the kingdom of God, let me say something to you here this morning that you will never go with God beyond your prayer life. So begin to cultivate a deep prayer life. And for those of you who are this morning and you say, maybe I'm in the sunset of my life and you've missed too many opportunities and you think, man, it's it's too late for me to become something that I'm not. Let me say something to you here today. It doesn't matter where you are or what age you are, that if you know Jesus here today and that God has put a stirring in your heart to be used for his name and for his glory, God can use you in an incredible way today if you'll just start cultivating moments of God with prayer. So ask yourself the question today, where is my place of prayer? And where is my time of prayer? Make this an effort in your life even today. There's an old statement that says, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And so today, make that plan. The second way to abide in Jesus is you must have a pathway to enter into God's presence. 
When I'm talking about a pathway, I'm speaking about a guide or a map that leads our time of prayer. There are many processes that God used throughout the Bible to usher people into prayer and ultimately the presence of God. He used the rustic altar. God used the tabernacle and the temple. God used the sacrificial system. However, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews, now we can go through him and boldly approach the throne of grace and receive mercy and find help in our time of need. But here's the truth. It's one thing to know that you can go there, but if you've never been discipled, you've never been taught, you've never been learned how to enter into moments of God with prayer, then that doesn't really mean a whole lot to you here today, and that's okay. So this morning, praise God, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 13, he gave us the Lord's Prayer, which serves as a guide and a model for how you can structure your moments with God in prayer. Now, the first thing it says to us here in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, pray this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. This idea of hallowing the name of God means to give praise and glory to God. So first, Jesus reminds us that to abide in prayer, we must begin by praising God. This is where you begin your moments in prayer with praise and worship and adoration of Him. You cannot overlook the power of praise and thanksgiving as part of your time in prayer. Several weeks ago, I woke up one day and I had one of those Saturdays where I was just feeling kind of low. You ever have one of those days where you just kind of feel low? You feel like you have to look up to see bottom? You say, well, Zach, you're a, you're a pastor. You're a man of God. Let me tell you something all over Scripture. You see God's people and God's men, people that love Jesus, they have low moments and low days because we all need Jesus. And so I made up my mind in that moment. I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to live in this today. I want to meet with you. And so I set aside a chair, I got out on our porch, and I, I started off just by singing unto the Lord. My neighbors probably thought I was crazy, I was just singing to the Lord. I started singing worship uh, songs to him from years gone by, I was singing shout to the Lord, how great is our God, your love is extravagant. I mean, I was singing Wild Worship 2000 CD, anybody remember that? <laughs> and that started to lift my spirit, but then I started feeling moved to start and give thanksgiving and praise to God. So I started off by thanking God that, that he saved me. I had 14 years old, somebody invited me to church, and I heard the gospel, and Jesus saved me. And then that moved me to another moment of thanksgiving. I started to, to think about the fact that God sustained me during a really hard season of my life in, in a broken home. And God started to speak to me in that and encourage me in those situations. And I started to thank God that he gave me the great privilege of calling me into ministry, that I get to serve him. And then I started thinking about my wife, that God brought me an incredible wife. And I started thinking about moments of hardship in our lives where God was always evident always there. One moment of thanksgiving led to another moment of thanksgiving. It led to another moment of thanksgiving. And I could feel the emotional climate of my life starting to rise as I was giving praise and thanksgiving to God. And I could sense God was with me. Can I say something to you here today? If you don't know how to begin in prayer, just begin in thanksgiving and praise. Secondly, Jesus reminds us to abide in prayer. Then we must surrender to God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now what Jesus is saying in that passage, he's saying for us to pray, Oh God, I pray that things would go so according to your will on earth that it's just like it is in heaven. And you're praying that specifically for your life. Let me tell you what you're praying. When you pray your kingdom come, you're saying, I'm praying that the kingdom of Zach be gone. You're saying, God, I want you. I don't want me. I don't want what I want. I want what you want and I would say to you here today that we cannot expect to have powerful and persistent moments in prayer and the presence of God without being fully submitted to God. A.W. Tozer said this, 
No man gives anything acceptable to God until he has first given himself in love and sacrifice. You cannot abide in Jesus if only half of your life is fully surrendered to God. So where does your prayer life need to go then? It needs to to go say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. You don't just pray that when you give your life to Jesus. You pray that every day in your life with Jesus. You pray the prayer of Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, O God, I present my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, which is your spiritual service of worship. When I pray Romans 12, 1, I picture me laying myself on the altar. O God, here is my life. It's all for you. Take my life, O God. It's all for you. Okay, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning, church. You can never have full intimacy with God in prayer if you're only giving half of your heart. This is what God is calling some of us to here today. And then thirdly, Jesus reminds us that to abide in Him in prayer, we can petition God. Petitioning God means to tell Him the things in your life that you need. And like any loving relationship, God wants to hear what you need. He tells us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Oh God, here are my daily needs. Forgive us of our debts. Moments in prayer often involve moments of asking for forgiveness. Can I say something to you here today? One of the greatest ways that the enemy will keep you from praying is because you failed. Can I say something to you here today? When Jesus taught us how to pray, he taught us how to pray about our failures. Okay? He taught us how to ask God for forgiveness. So don't hear that lie from the devil. If you failed, that's okay. You like every, all of us that you bring that to God in prayer. And then you can pray for God's protection and for your other needs. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. The first step to abiding in prayer is to abide in Jesus. And God has welcomed, trained us, is beckoning us to come and pray. Can I do, say to us here today, we also need to be warned that there is such a thing as praying that's not abiding in Jesus. And prayer without abiding in Jesus brings lifeless prayer. It brings faithless prayer. It brings empty prayer. It brings hopeless prayer. It brings religious prayer. And can I say something to you here today? I know that happens because I've done it myself. I know that I've prayed those moments when my heart was not fully surrendered to God. When it was kind of more going through the routines, going through the moments. And can I say something to you here today? Is that that's not the type of prayer we're talking about here today. We're talking about praying before God that is a heart that is fully surrendered, fully joyed in Jesus. So you say, oh God, here I am. Charles Spurgeon said that prayers often that cannot be uttered are often prayers that cannot be denied. That means when your heart is so broken, your heart is so needing of the Lord that you can't even really get the words out of your mouth. You're just saying, oh God, here I am. So abiding in Jesus is where that begins. The second step to abiding in prayer is then to listen for his voice and then respond. Again, so many times we forget that in prayer that it's not a one-way street. Prayer is not tossing pennies into a wishing well, okay? You hear me? It's a conversation with a God that you are abiding in. And just like any conversation, there's moments where I will speak and there's moments where I will listen. In fact, Jesus precludes prayer here in this verse with listening. He says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, then my words will abide in you and then you will ask. Did you see that? My words will abide in you and then you'll ask. Jesus is highlighting here the importance of listening before you speak when it comes to prayer. All over scripture, we are reminded that often we speak more than we should and we listen less than we should. In his spiritual disciplines for the Christian life, Donald Whitney wrote an entire chapter on silence and solitude. 
And in that chapter, he recounted the words of the Great Awakening revivalist Jonathan Edwards, who spoke of his dear wife Sarah's discipline of listening to God. And this is what he said. He said, she, can, she hardly cares for anything except to meditate on him. She loves to be alone, walking in the fields and the groves, and seems to have someone invisible always conversing with her. Isn't that beautiful? To hear the words of a loving husband speaking about his wife who just loves to go and just be with Jesus. And it seems as she's walking, there's always somebody speaking with her. So many people today struggle in their life because they don't know what to pray. Can I say something to you here today? God wants to lead us in prayer. So let me give you three ways that we can listen for the voice of God and how they can help us to pray. First, I can listen to the voice of God through His Word and pray accordingly. All over Scripture, the Bible shows us that the Bible is, is, not, is a living record. It is not just what God has said, but what God is saying. The Bible is God speaking to us. And like any conversation, once we have read and heard from God, then we can be moved to respond. We see this with the psalmist in Psalms 138 verse 2. The psalmist said, I will bow down towards your holy temple. He's praying. And give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word according to your holy name. It was the word of God that was leading him to pray. So let me give you a few ways how God's Word can guide your daily prayer life. First, God's Word can, can guide your prayers daily as you read and respond. One of the most regular ways, one of the most consistent ways that you will meet with God in prayer is to have a consistent means of meeting with God in His Word. And one of the best ways you can do that that I have found is to have a plan. If your time to meet with God every day is just you're going to sit down look at the Bible and say, Oh God, what do you want to say today? And you start thumbing through the Bible. Can I say something to you here today? That'll work a few times, but it'll work a whole lot less than it does, uh, than, than it does actually in your life. One of the best ways to do that is to have a daily Bible reading plan. One of the things that we're going to challenge our whole church to do in January is to read through a one-year Bible together. Where you have a daily reading, this is what you read, read on that day. And what's so beautiful about having a daily Bible reading is that as you read God's Word, you are preparing for a moment of meeting with God. It's not just about taking in information. It's about God speaking to you and you're preparing to speak back to Him. A great acrostic to help you know how to do this when you read God's Word is the acrostic HEAR, H-E-A-R. H stands for highlight which means you should read God's Word with a highlighter or with a pen in your hand. So that means if, if you read out of your old family Bible that's 127 years old and you came across the ocean from Ireland, it's probably not the Bible you need to read out of, okay? You need to get you a Bible that you can mark up a little bit. Anything that speaks to you, anything that convicts you, anything that encourages you, you underline it. Now then you, then you take a moment and you examine it. What is this Word saying to me? And then you apply it to your life. And then finally... Then you respond back to God with it. Can I say my favorite time of my time meeting with God is I open up. First thing I do is I put my Bible up to my face like this. And I say, oh God, this is your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Speak to me today, oh God. So then I'm reading in a form of reverence. And as I'm speaking, I'm reading, I'm underlining, I'm highlighting. And then when I'm done, I set that Bible on that ottoman. I push that ottoman away. I put a pillow on the ground. And I kneel down with the word in front of me. And everything that I've highlighted, everything that I've underlined is a moment to me to respond back to God. Church family, if you read God's word in such a way, you'll never struggle 
with what to pray. Another way that you can, God's Word can guide your prayers is when you, uh, by regularly, as you persist in intercession. Now, there are some things in my life that I only need to pray for maybe once or twice or in the moment. But then there are certain things that I want to consistently be, be interceding for, such as praying for my wife, praying for my children, praying for my church. Are there specific promises that you are praying and interceding for one another. And a great way to do this for me is to have some prayer cards. If I'm reading through the scriptures, let's say I come across a verse like I did recently. Isaiah 54 verse 13 says this, that your children will be taught by the Lord. And I thought about that in a lot of my kids. And I said, Lord, I want my kids to have a real personal relationship with Jesus. I want them to hear from God. And then I started thinking about our church. I said, Lord, I want that to be what Enon Baptist Church Next Generation Ministry is about. I want our, our students and our children to be people who are taught of the Lord. And so I wrote that verse on a prayer card. And as I'm taking time during my week to pray through these prayer cards, I pull up that card and I say, Oh, Lord, would you teach my children? Would you teach our church? Would you move us? And you can do these with every facet of your life. Continual prayers and promises that you're believing for one another. My wife does that with a prayer binder. She prays through a prayer binder every day. Those are those things that she is interceding and laying before the Lord. Oh, church, that we would be a church that calls out to God in prayer and believing. And then finally, God's word can guide my prayers as needed when I'm battling spiritual warfare. How many of us have ever dealt with spiritual warfare in this room? You know, the Bible says that the devil is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. One of the greatest ways that we battle the enemy is not necessarily around us. Often it's in the few inches between both ears. This is where we often deal with spiritual warfare. And we deal with the lies of the enemy. But one of the greatest ways to overcome that is with truth. And so even that, can God's word can guide my prayers in moments of spiritual warfare. It's in those moments where I feel alone that I can quote Philippians chapter, chapter 4 that says, Rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be made known unto all men that the Lord is near. God, I may feel alone, but you're with me today. When I'm afraid, I can pray Isaiah 54, 17. This is, Oh God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. When I feel weak, I can pray 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. This is, Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. You know what Steve Gaines used to say to us young preachers? He said, Guys, when you're praying the promises of God, you never have to question whether or not you're praying God's will. So God's word can lead us in our prayer time. Secondly, I can listen to the voice of God through his spirit and pray accordingly. All over the New Testament, we see people be encouraged to pray in the spirit. Now, let me clear this up. This is not necessarily someone praying in tongues or having a private prayer language that they're gifted in that way. When he's talking about Private pray, praying in the Spirit here, he's talking about the supernatural prompting of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives to pray specifically towards something as God leads. I can remember this happening in my life the very first time. I was a freshman at Wallace. I was the chaplain for the Wallace baseball team and a manager for those guys. And one night I woke up in the middle of the night and felt just overwhelmed from God to pray for Josh. He was a guy on our team. Didn't know why I needed to pray for him. Just got up and started praying for him. Praying as the Spirit. If I, I prayed for his salvation. Prayed for his protection. Just guys, God was leading. I was praying for Josh. That same night, we had our team Bible study. We gathered together. And at the end of the Bible study, our guest speaker that day gave an invitation for people to come to faith in Christ. And Josh gave his life to Jesus. And as soon as he did, I knew that God had supernaturally led me to be a part of that war and that battle and prayer for his soul. 
Praying in the Spirit is biblical. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 says pray at all times in the Spirit. Jude chapter 1 verse 20 says that building yourself up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And we know that if I'm praying, you know Henry Blackaby said, find where God is at work and join him there. Anybody ever heard that statement before? You know one of the best ways to find where God's at work? is when you let the Holy Spirit speak it to you. Sometimes it's good just to sit quiet before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, is there anything that you would need or lay on my heart that you want me to pray for? It's powerful when we pray in the Holy Spirit. Some friends of Kimberly and ours are missionaries in Pakistan. They're native Pakistanis, and uh, they spent a lot of time in the U.S. because uh, several years ago, their families uh, were actually came to the U.S. to uh, avoid persecution uh, because their father, who was a pastor, was ultimately was about to be murdered uh, by the Taliban and different people there. And so Samson, though, uh, has on several occasions, he still makes his way back to Pakistan and, and they're still doing ministry there. And he told the story about how many years ago that he, when his children were little, he put his wife Kummer in a city that was fairly safe and that he would travel around to these rural villages where he was sharing the gospel with people. And the word had gotten out that Samson was a believer in Jesus. He pulled up towards one village and a car came out and blocked his way in one direction. And then another car came behind him and blocked him from the other direction. He said suddenly men got out of the car and they started taking jugs of gasoline and started pouring gasoline all over his car. And he said he knew what was about to happen. Then soon, just a few moments, they would light that gasoline. His car would be engulfed in flames and he would die. He knew this tactic that had been done before. He said even though the fumes of the gasoline were so strong, he started to pray in his car, pray for his wife who would be left behind, pray for his children, pray for his churches. But what he didn't know is at that exact same time, in that exact same moment, in a city hundreds of miles away, his wife Cumber, in the middle of their day of just taking care of children, she had an overwhelming sense of God to begin to pray for her husband. And she said for over an hour, she was praying and weeping for her husband, that God would protect him, that God would be with him and As these men were were pouring this gasoline, he was just meeting with God. He said he could feel the Holy Spirit fill his car. And it was almost like he drowned everything else out. All their taunts and everything that they were saying. And he said that he started to sing unto the Lord. And he said then he was kind of brought out of that moment in the presence of God by hearing cars pull away. He opened his eyes and recognized that the cars were no longer blocking him. He didn't know what was going on. He opened the car door uh, to get a gasp of fresh air. And he said as he opened the car door, he saw hundreds of matches that were all around the car that had been struck. But as soon as they had been struck, they had been blown out. Several weeks later, in an underground church Bible study, he was able to lead a young man to faith in Christ who was one of the men that was at his car that day. He was a man leading the Muslim faith, coming to faith in Christ. Because of this moment, he said, as we were trying to light the matches, every time that we would light a match, a wind would blow, and it would blow the match out, and we knew that your God was protecting you. Church family, we need the Holy Spirit to lead us to powerful prayer. And then finally, I can pray I can listen to the voice of God through the prayers, through his people, and pray accordingly. As we know throughout Scripture, God speaks through his people. Many of us have had those moments when God reveals something to us through the words of another brother or sister in Christ. Those moments where you know it's not them speaking. It is a thus says the Lord moment to you. God is speaking to you and it moves us to action and often it can move us to prayer. Nick Ripken, a former IMB missionary, told the story of how he was traveling to an underground church in China. He was meeting with over 100 Chinese Christians way up in the mountains in a compound. 
And they were so isolated from the world, they were asking him questions. And he said one of the questions that the Chinese Christians asked him was how far had the gospel made it outside of China? They were so isolated. And so he started to share about how many hundreds of years the gospel had been in America and Europe and all over the world. And he said that they started to stand up and weep and jump and celebrate because they had been so isolated. They had no idea how far the name of Jesus had spread. And then they started to ask, were there other places in the world where people were being persecuted like them? And Nick, being a former IMB missionary in Somalia, where he saw the church in Somalia almost completely destroyed by terrorism, people giving their lives and not failing to, continuing to confess the name of Jesus in light of persecution. He shared with them that people were giving their lives there daily for the gospel. And he said that they started to weep. He said they asked a few more questions. It got to be about midnight and he was so tired he went to bed. He said he woke up, woke up that next morning about 6 o'clock in the morning to a roar coming from the courtyard that honestly he thought that they were being raided, that they had been found out. But when he rushed into the courtyard, what he found was these Christians, every one of them, that they were in there, they were all praying, weeping and calling out to God in their own language. He asked the interpreter, what are they praying for? And he said, they're praying for Somalia. He said, when you shared last night about how the church was suffering in Somalia, that they made a decision that they were going to get up before the sun every morning for the rest of their lives to pray that the kingdom of God would come to Somalia to those Christians. And these underground persecuted people were being moved to great prayer because of the words and the challenge of another man. Church family, sometimes we need to hear from God, from a pastor, from a teacher, from a Sunday school teacher, from a friend around you who moves you to pray. We hear that and we are burdened and so we should be moved to pray. And then finally this morning, the third step to abiding in prayer is to begin to pray in faith. You know, the latter part of this verse comes in the form of a promise that is intended by Jesus to move us to pray with expectancy. If you abide in me, Abiding in Jesus, and my words abide in you, hearing the voice of God. Then ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now this passage is not saying that whatever you pray and wish for in this life, God is going to give you. This is not a blank check to say, God, I really feel so led that I need a Corvette. All you outdoorsmen here today, we've all prayed that prayer before, and that deer still has never walked out, you know. But what he is saying is that if we are praying the things that are in the heart of God, that have been revealed to us through the Spirit of God in our abiding relationship with Jesus, then we can pray in those moments and believe that God is going to open the windows of heaven and pour out. If God births something in your heart in prayer, then it's His desire, and we can lay that before Him in full belief and faith that God is going to complete it. I'm going to ask Ron to make his way up here. Ron, by the way, I said Bob in the first service. I apologize for that. Bob's a great pianist too, but he's no candle to Ron. So, Jesus, in one more parable on prayer, in Luke chapter 18, he tells the story of the persistent widow. Some of you may have heard this story before. The persistent widow story says that basically a, it's a parable at prayer. A woman goes to a wicked judge, and she's asking for justice. She goes to him day after day after day after day after day. And Jesus says that the judge, though he is wicked and he fears not God nor man, that he will give answer her request because of her persistence in prayer. And then God says, if this man being wicked 
can still do what is right, how much more will your heavenly Father give to His elect? He's saying if we will call out to Him day and night. And then He ends with this challenge. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? He's talking about people who are being persistent to pray and seek God. And He says, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith in the earth? Is He going to find a people who are filled with the Spirit of God and are believing in prayer for things beyond themselves? That are consistently going before God, pleading Him, Oh God, we need Your kingdom. That are pleading for the next generation in our community. That are pleading for revival in our church. That are pleading for our nation, for our country. That are pleading in prayer, Oh God, would You come? I've got a whole stack full of cards that I'm praying for Enon Baptist Church that God's put on my heart. One of them is John chapter 3. It says, and John, while he was at Salim, at Enon, is the name of the word, at Enon, baptizing, for many were coming to him because there was much water. I pray that passage, and I look at that baptistry, and I say, oh, Lord, I pray for the day that you're just drawing many. You're drawing many to you. They're coming to Jesus. And you know what, church? I'm believing God for that today. That's just one that God's put on my heart. What is God birthing in your heart to pray and believe for? Not just randomly some prayer request. It's something God's putting in your heart. Did you get a card this morning as you came in? I want you to take out that blank index card. If you, as you were coming in, we're passing these out. If you didn't get one, just raise your hand. We've got some guys. They're going to pass those around in here uh, this morning. They're going to jump around and pass those around. If they're not here, we'll get you one at the conclusion of the service. We'll have them out front. But this is what I want to ask you to do. Or you can take one of those prayer cards out of the seat back in front of you. But this is what I want to ask you to do. I want us to take a moment. And I want us to ask the Holy Spirit. What does God want you to believe Him for? For your life first. And then for people around you. So I want you to take that card and maybe write on it. Or take a card there in front of you. Take out one of the prayer cards. You can make it your card. Why don't you write on it first, just write me on one side, and then write kingdom on the other, for the kingdom of God, that's what's around you. I see the guys are coming, they're making their way in here with some cards here right now. If, if you don't have one, would you raise your hand again if you don't have a card? Guys, we've got some guys, that, people raising their hand, if y'all could pass those around, thank you so much. So again, as you take a time there to get your card, Again, right on one side of it, just write me or my family. This pertains to you. On the other side, write kingdom or write the church. So what are you believing for for the people around you? We'll take a moment as they pass those out. And I would encourage you today to let this be the first of many prayer cards that you start. Still passing around, guys. We got some right over here, Jim, right here, right there, Grant. We got these guys. There we go. So now I want you to take a moment here. Can you close your eyes? We're just gonna let the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Would you speak into the hearts and lives of your people this morning, Father? What, what you want to do in their lives or in their family? Ask the Lord, right there where you are, say, Jesus, what do you want to do in my life? Some of you today, it may be freedom. You write freedom from 
maybe addiction or fear or something in your life. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe you've been begrudging forgiveness to somebody for a long time. And the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart right now to pray and seek God for forgiveness. Maybe it's that God would just draw you afresh and anew, that you'd fall in love with Jesus all over again. Whatever that may be. And I'm going to take, ask you to just write that down, that one thing. Just start writing that down, whatever that is. As God kind of brings it to your mind, write it down. Maybe for your, not just for you specifically, maybe for your whole family. Man, I encourage you to have a prayer that you're praying and believing for your family. Holy Spirit, speak right now. And then secondly, pray and ask God. Say, God, what do you want to do? What do you put on my heart to pray and believe around me? It may be for revival in the church that you're going to be, God's burdening your heart for revival. Maybe God's burdening in your heart to see teenagers come to faith in Christ. Maybe God is putting a specific person on your heart in life. I want to see this person come to faith in Jesus. What are you believing for beyond you? What is God laying on your heart to pray? My church family, you may begin that this morning. You may finish that this morning. But I encourage you to at least have a few things that you're praying. And I want you to look back up at me right here. What I want to challenge you to do is between now and 2022, we've got just a few months here, would you be consistent to be somebody who's going to pray this every day. Along with, let it be a reminder for your daily time with God. For your daily moment with Jesus. Maybe you put this in your, uh, in your dashboard. Or maybe you stick it in your Bible as you pray. But it's something that reminds you that you're going to begin to lift these things up to the Lord. In great faith, asking that God will do it. And you start cooperating with Him. What I can't wait to hear is when God starts answering these prayers. That it's going to give us faith to pray even more. And I want to hear about it. When God works in your family, when God works around you, I want you to come and say, Zach, I'm seeing God do it. We've got to become a church that's going to pray and believe if we want to see the power of God move. So this is a great first step today. Church family, Brother Ken's going to come and lead us in a hymn of invitation. As he comes, our pastors are going to be up front. We've got some counselors that are here. As we've talked about prayer this morning, can I say something to you here today? Again, you'll never abide with a Jesus that you don't really love. Do you know Jesus today? If you don't know him, you can, you can call out to him right there where you are. Maybe you just pray this prayer, church family. Just pray with me right here. Say, dear Jesus, I don't know you. But I want to know you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to come into my life and save me. Here I am, Jesus. Save me, if you prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save you, you can mark that on the little connect card as you came in. Our pastors will be up front. One of us would love to, to pray with you and share with you. If you'd like to join this church this morning, if God is moving in your heart in any way, you feel free to come as we sing. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, would you move this morning for your name?